are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. What if Bulldog has become a creepy pasta and just keeps appearing in episodes of wrestling shows that we watch? Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 21st of September in the year of our Lord 2000. Melanie C, I turn to you, is the one in the chart. Good. Coincidentally, C is also the grade I gave this song. Oh, you bastard. She's got, <laughs> look, got a hell of a set of lungs on her, but it's just not that great. It's a it's lovely song. Boring, whatever. I do not turn to you. Instead, I turn to Scary Movie, which is still number one in the UK box office. Still funny after all these years. What's up? <laughs> That's a good joke. That it, it was is. like the, what I liked is the the wry way they observed things from other horror films, and That's in a right. in a subtle manner, paradised them. They paradised. That's right. Para- parodized them. Parodization them. Yeah, it, clearly. What what a paradigm that was. <laughs> Robbie Williams' "Sing When You Win" is still number one in the album charts, but the big release for gaming. And for a lot of people, including myself, is the release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Oh, what a game! I've got the the soundtrack here. There's a lot more songs than I remember. With uh, Blood Brothers by Papa Roach from the album Infest, which I then went and wanted to buy. Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy, which I went on to buy. Gorilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine, which I did not go on to buy, but it's a good song. Uh, you by Bad Religion. Don't recall that one. This is um, an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, you know what? I've, I've actually, I've reading the other ones. God, I don't remember these. But is there a particular song that you remember from this soundtrack? Uh, was um, P- 
Paddy Wise. Not Paddy Wise. It's the, that's the baddie from it. Um, something finger. Um, like a scar band. I have to pull up the soundtrack to have a look. Yeah, I'm looking. It's like wagon. I think the. Let's have a look. Let's see. Uh, Pro Skater Two soundtrack. Um, there's a band I'm thinking of, and they've fallen out of my head. Um, uh, and uh, I'm th- I, the one I was thinking of was on Pro Skater Three, <laughs> but I obviously remember Power Man Five Thousand when worlds collide. That was the one world, I was going to end collide. on. I'll give oh. you the chance because that—that's the. Oh, get ready to go. That was the bad boy. That was. Baby, baby. And even if it was only a minute, minute, a bit sample, oh, it was good enough for me. Why did we all fall in love with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two, even though we are not skater boys? Because it played so well. Mm. Such a great idea, perfectly implemented. Great music, captured the scene at the time for many people. I was not a skater boy. I did not say see you later, boy. But I knew lots of people who were. Nice. I think that's what it was. It was the fact that none of us were skaters, but we all went, this is a lovely game, and it plays nice, and it responds well. I was really into the, the Tony Hawk's games for quite a while mm-hmm. because of this. Awful on a skateboard. It encouraged me to try skateboarding, but after one session, I went, nah, this this is not for me. I'll just play the games like a like a noob. That's what I will do. That's their spirit. Yes. And the Independent TV Commission rejects viewer complaints about Channel 5's Naked Jungle, in which contestants <laughs> and presenter Keith Chegwin were seen naked because it was aired after the watershed and did not breach decency regulations. Has Pachiti watched that remember- on the stream yet? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Keith Chegwin's little Chegwin, God bless his soul. That's it. You know what? We should certainly suggest that to him, and mm. that'll be the thing that takes him down finally. <laughs> and then the kingdom will be at rest. Yes. <laughs> uh, please remind yourself of this uh, statement, this judgment, whatever it is, after people complain about Channel 4 and their airing of bloody violence in the wee hours of the morning. Quote, because children could be watching. Just saying. <laughs> and speaking of kids, the final bit of news this week, the soon-to-be-released epic 10,000 hits on podcast.bean thing that Tom is slowly putting together as we speak. The crap Disney speakles, <laughs> the crap Disney sequels no one talks about continues with The Little Mermaid 2, oh. Return to the Sea. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Little Mermaid 2, but it's on my watch list. Darling, you'd better be going. Look at her, isn't she glowing? She looks divine and you look exquisite, but look at the time. Couldn't be, is it? The crew is awaiting your orders. We're sailing away from our borders. Steady, boy, steady. Ahoy there, they're coming. Trumpet is ready. Drums start ripping. As, as Matthew pointed out there, one of the ideas that I have bounced around in my brain during lockdown is to do a podcast where Alex and myself just watch all the crap Disney sequels the straight-to-DVD ones, because I think they're all bad, but there has to be a diamond in the rough somewhere. Hey, that's what they said in Aladdin. Hey, see what I did there? You should call it Hear No Evil, Sequel No Evil. Oh, that's a great name! That's a great name! (laughs) Oh, given that, it's Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea, and Aladdin 2, Return of Jafar. It should be... (laughs) Like Disney sequel two, return to the bank. <laughs> return to insert returning item here. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good. I love a good. Bambi bad two, Disney return sequel. to the mum. 
return to the scene of the crime. <laughs> Mother? She's long gone now. But my Bambi returns with guns. Be amazing. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Make that a thing. Make that a thing. We should, we should. But before we make that a thing, here's another thing. It's the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review. You're listening to the dulcet tones of myself and my colleague, Tom Campbell 2. Return to the podcast. How the hell are you, mate? Tom Campbell 2, return of Bolognese King. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> my favourite hobby at the moment is going into the Twitch streams of my fellow Cultaholkians. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and offering advice on the game they're playing that may or may not be made up, like the time I insisted that Adam Pacitti press down and triangle on Red Dead Redemption 2 to turn his horse into a Bugatti Veyron. And for whatever reason, I have now been labelled, to quote Adam Pacitti, the biggest fucking troll there is. And I, I, I quite like that title, so I found myself going into everybody's oh. streams, and on Saturday night... <laughs> I found, I found, I'll tell you why I was there. I'll tell you why I was there. Because Taz retweeted us uh, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, hey, Lola, I like this. I remember doing this. I And I was just, I dropped into the chat. Taz quote retweeted the link to the classic Smackdown review. And um, I, I dropped into the chat to tell you. But obviously you already knew because you were, you were already talking about it as I arrived. But then I just stuck around and... <laughs> Just feeling a bit silly. Just decided to start talking about... Because you were playing Final Fantasy 8? 9. 9. Sorry, 8. <laughs> nine. How dare you imply Final, I'll play Final Fantasy 8? Final Fantasy no in German. Yeah. Um, you are playing Final Fantasy 9. And um, I just decided to tell you that one of the bosses was the Bolognese King. And I was adamant of it to the point where I said, Mate, I've sent you a picture. And- <laughs> And it was a fun- and I lived for your reaction to that, where <laughs> you know when you can see something really funny coming. And I was watching on the stream as you went, "Oh, Tom sent me something." Long pause. Oh, let me just, uh, let me just. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> I lived for that. <laughs> well, Tom, how did you get that audio sample from the Twitch? You played perfectly there. And then a big thank you to Eva who was in the stream, I believe, at the time. She's uh, a wonderful fan of Cultaholic and a fan of Matthew Gregg, as we all are. And she drew the Bolognese King for me and Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) A a possibly fictional boss that I made up in Final Fantasy IX. Possibly fictional. Or did I find out this Saturday as Matthew (laughs) continues and Tom A dropping... So, but mate, to answer your question from earlier, I am good, thank you. It is, I'm in high spirits. It's uh, a lovely week. It's nearly the end of April already, so God knows where 2021 is going. The pubs are open. The shops are open. I'm seeing friends. It's a good time. It's a good. It's a good time at the moment. Things aren't perfect. They never will be the same again. To quote the great Melanie C. But there's a real sense of, of, of warmth and joy coming back into into the world. I'm looking, and I'm, I'm looking at my, my my text messages right now, and there's there's plans to go for a drink with a mate over the weekend, and plans to catch up with somebody else next week. And I'm just like, yeah, this 
This feels nice. Alex and I are booked in for somewhere next week. It's Alex's birthday next week. And I'm so delighted that last year Alex had her 30th in lockdown. It sucked. And it wasn't bad. It was what it was. It was just, I, I was just heartbroken for Alex because she couldn't get out and see friends and all that stuff. We made the best of the situation. But like the sheer joy that I have from being able to say, right, I need you free at this time on Thursday doing a thing. And to be able to go out and see her friends again, oh, I'm very happy. It's a good. It's it, things are good right now. Things will always they can always be better, but they're good right now. How are you, sir? Very similar to yourself, Tom. Uh, the gyms are open, so I've been destroying my body in a good way. I miss the endorphins and the feeling of ha- feeling completely battered. I think I'm ready to be rolled around in breadcrumbs and put in the oven for thirty minutes. You just said breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> This shows how tired I am. <laughs> it shows what you were watching before we started. Bread comes. <laughs> They're the minions of the Bolognese king. <laughs> I hate the bit in Farm Fancy Night we have to kill the bread comes. <laughs> now my little bread comes. Oh. Bread anyway. comes only when I tell it to. <laughs> <laughs> bread comes too. Return of the yeast. <laughs> Infection. Um. Oh. So yes, apart from my inability to speak words, which is perfect for this podcast, but I'm sure you people are used to it by now, I am doing dandy. Uh, yesterday, I went out with a friend to do a drink in the pub, outside oh. the pub, I should say, and we couldn't have picked a better day for it. After weeks upon weeks of beautiful sunlight and minimum wind, we went out and Hurricane Isabel also joined <laughs> us. So of course that was going to happen. I'm sure today, I look out now, today looks foggy. And very cloudy. Yeah, but I'm sure it's going to be not raining like it was yesterday. No, it no, was 60, 60% chance of rain. I only know this because now the pubs are open. Alex and I are like, we need to go out all the time. So like, and obviously you have to book in advance. So I'm literally to the point where I'm saying, should I just bulk book our favorite place like once a week? Like she says, yeah, but we don't know whether we're free. Yeah, but just book it and we'll just have to be. Like just so we know we've got stuff in so we're not caught short. But um. There, I think it's going to rain. A 60% chance of rain today. I keep an eye on the weather a lot now, more than ever, because I'm thinking, when Alex finishes, do we go for a drink? Um, depends. Like last Saturday, I was like, oh, it's 40% chance of rain. I'll come meet you in town when you finish. And lo and behold, we were able, by the grace of God, to get a little walk up to a, a little pub and have a couple of beers and some breakfast. <laughs> Just my, my, my slow road, road to alcoholism continues. And... Uh, and yeah, so I'm looking at the weather a lot. It's 60% chance of rain today. So I hope you've got no plans to go out because it looks like it's going to be a bit crap later. Travel you next. said that, the sun came out. Well, don't ignore it. It's a liar. It's a liar. Uh-huh. It's a d- d- dirty, filthy liar. Well, I listened to your tips on the streams on Saturday. So I listen to your tips now. So there, there you you'll go. lead me the right path. To the Bolognese King. <laughs> yes. And speaking of Bolognese King again. But speaking, yes, of Bo- uh, speaking of Bolognese get... King. All right, go on then. That segue. <laughs> go on then. We did get a lovely letter from Eva. We did. Saying, I don't know. I, I won't read it out. Well, you uh, did. You case. did. It's not fair for me to to <laughs> to to, oh, to, yeah, ho- you know, to hoy in on this, but you yeah, definitely did. Okay, yeah, she sent it to me, but she said very nice things about SmackDown. I won't read it out. I'll, I'll ask if uh, she wants me to read it out, but I want to say Eva because you listened to the show and sent me some lovely illustrations of not just myself, but everyone's favorite Jack, Puppet Jack. Oh. And I just want to say thank you very much. Was, uh, I've can't remember the last time I had a little bit of fan letter on there. Um, you said it was the first one you've written in some time in terms of letters. You wrote it very well. And uh, I hope that the rest of the podcast meets the expectations that we now have 
as we try and meet your loveliness. I find this been um, I kind of died at the end there. Sorry. No, no. no <laughs> I think with I think Eva's letter was 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 beautiful. I think like the writing your letters beautiful. The pictures I've seen that are gorgeous. I feel there's a lot of love for this little silly bollocks that we do more yeah. so than I think I've ever known it. Like we're now over 50 episodes and I feel like on the daily, I get messages from people who say that they like listening. <laughs> hey, Lola. Hey, Lola. <laughs> they mainly say that. So thanks. It's lovely that you're there. And I'm not going to be, well, this isn't going to be one of those podcasts that starts the podcast by reading out like how brilliant they are, but we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Honest there to we God. go. That's what I was going for. Yeah. Honest to God. Like we, 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 we're just, it's, if anything, and I was, I was saying this to somebody yesterday, it's just an excuse for me to catch up with my mate, mate Maff on a weekly right. basis. If nothing else, if, if only two people listened, if it was just me and Maff, it's time, it's time not wasted because it's a chance for me to catch up with Matthew. Right. Isn't that great? Yeah. If nothing else, it's that. So anyway, let's talk about some wrestling from, yeah. from, a, from a better time. <laughs> I was going to say, there was a, there's another note here from someone says, uh, oh yeah, please, can you do... Sometimes you don't set the scene very well for the wrestling before you get into it. Is there any chance you go to the Wrestling Observer Live doc, whatever it's called, .net, and uh, read about what was happening at the time before you go into the SmackDown shows, just so we could have some context? Shut our eyes and pretend it's the year of our Lord 2000. <laughs> so I don't know, Tom, have you, did you who get that, that letter who was well? that? Who was that letter from? Uh, D Meltzer. <laughs> I don't know, it could be anybody. Never. That, that isn't from D Meltzer. Those sentences are too short. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be from Dave. He hasn't tan. He hasn't. He's, it's hardly tangentilical. E tangentilic. Uh, let's set the scene. Oh, <laughs> see, hang on. Wait, it says, P.S. Why do women have shape? Oh, it is him. <laughs> oh, it is Dave. That's fine. P.S. I kissed a woman once. Well done, Dave. Uh, let's, let's take a look. So before Matthew Gregg, this is the first time you're here. Hello, doggo. Um, before Matthew Gregg talks us through this week's episode of SmackDown as we continue to chronologically critique SmackDown in the year of our Lord 2000, uh, I like to go through the the wrestling world from this particular week and take a look at what's 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 happening in the world what's changing in the wrestling world and see what other promotions are doing and such and some quite notable things this week wcw have just presented fall brawl on pepper fear uh, it featured uh, a handful of, of forgettable matches uh, a terrifying moment featuring a wrestling legend and a four and a quarter star match at the semi-main event. So, cool. Um, I'm going to put the envelope to my head and go, yes, the undercard was very miserable. <laughs> Paul Orndorff suffered a stinger because mm-hmm. he went all out for about two minutes, which is very impressive, but there's a reason why old people back then didn't do that. Now, of course, they do. It's what mm. they put in the water. <laughs> and the four and a quarter star is easily WCW's best thing they did all year in the ring. Scott Steiner versus Goldberg. With Scott Steiner wearing a mask because Goldberg potatoed his nose. <laughs> exactly. 30 minutes and 50 seconds of smash mouth battery between two beefy boys. I swear to God, had they had they done more of this, WCW might still be here. Like, they just had beautiful chemistry when they were in the zone. Goldberg and Steiner just bounced off each other so well. I think lots of people talk about um, what what could have been with WCW, like the talks of like the Big Bang show they could have done and the return if Bischoff had ended up buying it with Fusion Media Ventures. Like I'd have, if it had been me, 
booking it in my brain, that'd have been my main event. Steiner and Goldberg are the first WCW show under new regime. I'd have gone with that. That's the money. That is just those two battering one another. The highlight of the pay-per-view. But this Paul Orndorff thing, yeah, this was this was a real tough watch. I went back and watched this just before we got together. So Paul Orndorff was in a in a 10-man tag. This one's in the bag. Uh, teaming up with Conan, Tigress, Juventu Guerrero, Rey Mysterio Jr., Big Vito, and Disco Inferno. That's more. Hang on. Disco, Vito, Rey, Juventu, Conan, Tigress, Paul. A 14-man tag. Jeebus. Uh, the match ended up getting thrown out because as Matthew said Orndorff got the tag he went wild and you know what Punch is looking a bit naff like he really went for it he gave it socks did Paul Orndorff like ducking and dodging and diving and running around through the match like throwing these green horns around all came to a really uncomfortable end when he hit a pile driver on to um I think it was Mark Jindrak. He did a pile driver on Mark Jindrak and just didn't get back up. And he got pinned shortly after that. The match kind of started to resume. And then that's when Charles Robinson made the audible and just went, now nah, we're just going to throw this out because Orndorff is in the middle of the ring. He can't move. A really frightening moment for Paul Orndorff. Obviously, he would since improve and we've seen him on t- on WWE TV looking nothing like Paul Orndorff uh, in the past couple of years but um yeah this was a, this was a scary moment for Orndorff wasn't it it was and yeah they did attempt to wrestle around him but he was literally right in the middle of the ring and it's like oh it's like that drunk person in the party who passes out in front of the front door and everyone's just trying to get around him um so they yeah, Charles Robinson went, this isn't going to work, called an audible, and then they redid the match on Nitro with the remaining people instead. But he did get a standing ovation from people, the crowd, I remember, which I remember being very nice, considering Orndorff hadn't been a name in wrestling since, I guess, his run in 95, where the horseman gave him a pile driver and ended his career in kayfabe. So the fact that he came out, did his thing in the year 2000, when he was never that trans- transitional star from that period to the 2000s, I like the fact that he got a, a, a big pop from the crowd, if nothing else. It was nice to hear, nice to hear. Uh, yeah. Other WCW news, Dustin Rhodes is coming back soon. They wanted to bring him back as a character called Platinum, which is a takeoff of the Goldust <laughs> character. WWF have gone, no, you don't. Back up, buddy. So he's just sat at home, getting paid, done a few indie dates uh, for Dusty Rhodes' promotion and he's just waiting to get repackaged who knows what we'll see with him uh vampiro apparently there's there's talk this week of him teaming up with billy idol (laughs) get this right Uh wcw approached vampiro about doing a feud where he would team with billy idol to work a match against mike awesome and david cassidy at this point, oh. the plan is for Vampira to be out of action until his wife gives birth and she's had a difficult pregnancy. So it's not happening, but the fact that we were close to getting Vampira and Billy Idol as a team, which is weirder, Vampira and Billy Idol or Vampira and the Great Muta? I'm sure Billy Idol would have put more effort in. <laughs> I think Muta just paid it as a paid vacation, to be honest with you, during that period. <laughs> Fair point. Well oh, made. I have I have nothing to add to that. There's, there's, there's sometimes you don't need add. satire when the truth is funny in itself. There's nothing to add to that. Tell my uncle, tell my aunt, I got my teeth in nice and straight. Chicken nuggets in my pants. I'm on my way to the Buckeye State. Oh, hi, oh, hi, oh. Round on the end. Hi.
high in the middle. It's all red or what's wrong on the end. It's high in the middle. Oh, yeah, it's um, Switzerland. No, it's Ohio, Ohio. Oh, how high I OVW update. <laughs> Let's oh, load. Let's hear about all these jobbers. <laughs> That bastard. There's loads <laughs> going. There's actually loads going on in OVW. So much so that it requires its own segment. So Jim Ross uh, was doing some announcing for an OVW show in September. Uh, he was scouting for talent following the TV taping. Uh, he did play-by-play for a match where Rob Conway defeated Nick Dinsmore for the OVW title. And Jim Ross surely sat at the commentary table and went, "Hey, that guy would make a great special wrestler." Oh, yeah. Jeez, who looks at Nick Dinsmore and goes, I know what you should be. Such a talented guy. Hey, look at this. 13th of October, Louisville Gardens, OVW are putting on a show headlined by The Big Show versus Leviathan. Big Show versus Dave Batista in the year of our Lord 2000 is going to happen. Awesome. I can't wait for it to next happen, which would be the... <laughs> ECW TV tapings. <laughs> and the crowd loved it. Oh, they, they treated it like it was Goldberg versus Scott Star. They hated it. They hated oh. every second of it. Sandbagged it to oblivion. We'll see you in six years, lads. Uh, Brock Lesnar not on TV yet. He is not long from debuting, along with Ron H2O Waterman. Uh, oh. One, oh, I know, right? What, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, Brock Lesnar and Ron Waterman, who are seen as super hot prospects within OVW, you right now i'm sure one will do all right <laughs> maybe why was ron waterman seen as a pros- I-, I saw him when he wrestled in japan <laughs> beefy boy water sucks it really really sucks <laughs> he's a beefy boy that's why he's a prospect oh i see everyone likes a beefy boy uh, well they sh- both went on to mma <laughs> there you go <laughs> varying degrees of success Shel- shelton benjamin showing a lot of improvement uh, Cornette says that he's picking up pro wrestling faster than Kurt Angle did. Big Shelton. Nah. Nah, I've heard he, I heard he sucks. <laughs> uh, apparently, Rand, apparently Bob Orton Jr.'s son, Randall Keith Orton, has been popping up on TV. And they're quite, they think he's all right. We'll see what goes on with there. But it's all about David Nelson. Full to his mates. He's getting a big push because he's a freaky huge bodybuilder who played football at the University of Miami. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! (laughs) He ticks all of JR's boxes, (laughs) man! He played football at the University of Miami. He's a bodybuilder. He can do a 724-pound bench press. And he's feuding with Mark Henry in OVW. And, oh, he's the he's, he's the future of wrestling. <laughs> they love David Nelson in OVW. Yeah. Eon Homer watches the uh, advertisement for the orange juice maker. And he's there. To, he's kind of, in, kind of in type the numbers on the phone. He's so excited. <laughs> That's how I imagine Jim Ross trying to ring Vince McMahon after he saw all that. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta get here. Miami University footballer, bodybuilder. What? I can talk about his DT scholarship. <laughs> OVW update. Happy days. Steve Austin got married. Steve Austin, congratulations to you marrying your wife, Deborah Marshall. 
in Las Vegas on the 13th of September. Been well known since late last year they'd get married, and even of late, that it would be this month. But the actual date and place was kept very secretive. There were very few guests at the ceremony. Matthew and I weren't invited. We hope it's a long and happy marriage. <laughs> Wait, in Vegas they got married? In Vegas. Did they go through the drive through uh, uh, I declare I'd want to marry Steve Austin. Yeah. And do you take this to be, to be lawful with his rattlesnake? I do. Yeah, I do, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. By the power vest of me, by the Elvis Church of America, here is your wife. And here are some coupons <laughs> for the Vegas steak dinner down the street. Oh, whatever. That's what's like in Vegas. If you, th- if you think I should marry her, give me a hell yeah. Because, of course, you were in attendance for a Vegas wedding, <laughs> weren't you, I just realised as I was saying that, yes, I yes, was. Yes, you were. You were there for the wedding of Ross and Sam. Yes. What a lovely time that was. Did you, did Papa you, Jack was the ring bearer. Did you shed a tear? I was laughing kind of hard afterwards, like, because they, they were selling. They were like, well, I got properly married. Wow. And I'm like, I'm treating it like it's legit. Like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and energy, Matthew. Uh, three, two. Oh, this is so great. I'm so happy for you, lads. I'm jumping up and down, and them two look like they just rolled out of bed. Like, uh, no, we're married now. It's just so weird. I'm like, yay, marriage. Oh, I love a wedding. Oh. Just try to do something. I'm like, is this all right? Oh, bless. Um, you, oh, it was so- good seeing, sorry, interrupt. it was good seeing the people who we were working with who owned the chapel and stuff like that. And they were like, right, is this a real marriage or a fake one? I'm like, oh, you've done this before. <laughs> I should have Puppet Jack thinking about it. Probably would have got away with that. I think you could have done. Um, Sunday yeah, Night Heat. I digress. <laughs> Sunday Night Heat. Um, they're changing it up big style. So the new plan, according to Dave Meltzer for Sunday Night Heat, uh, is when it moves to MV- MTV very, very soon. There's lots of TV stuff, which we'll get to during the show. Um, the plan is to do a more, quote, bawdy humour and skit-orientated show with Tom Green-style humour. They'd continue to take two to four matches every Tuesday, which is the plan to have bigger names and better quality matches than have been on Heat as of late, with the rest of the show emanating from WWF New York with skits on Times Square and MTV headquarters live. The matches themselves will be voiced over live from the club with no pretense being made. The announcers are on location at the matches. The idea is to bring in musical guests, celebrities and wrestlers to WWF New York with skits, which would sound like like a modernised version of the old... Tuesday night Titans show, such as the women doing fashion shows or Bubba Ray Dudley playing the piano or whatever talents people in the company may, or in some cases may not, have. So this is like an upgraded attitude version of Tuesday night Titans. Tuesday night tit. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember any of this Sunday night heat period. <laughs> no, it's... I, we do, I think they kind of half went with it and then they sort of went back on the idea when WWF New York wasn't doing particularly well and when the figures for Heat weren't particularly good. I remember Steve Austin doing an episode of Heat from WWF New York with Disturbed playing at WWF New York. I remember that happening. It sounds like when Nintendo made the Wii U and we're like, it's great, it's great, like the additional screen and the thing and everyone's like, I don't. This isn't really what I, I want from this. and it, But the double screen on the Wii U is WWF New York. The mm. thing that they're pushing. They're pushing so hard. They're pushing like it's Brock Lesnar in 2000. Who is Brock Lesnar? I don't know who that is yet. Um, they're pushing it like full Nelson 
on OVW TV. Yeah, there we go. And no one's buying it yet. No. No, but nobody's quite in amongst it yet. But we'll see how this one goes. Uh, before we get to the, the show itself, the SmackDown, there's a lot of bits this week. A stacked show from Ultimate Pro Wrestling that I have to tell you about, Matt. Oh, you be dope. Yeah, you beat up, you beat up, you beat up. Santa Ana, Santa Ana, California drew 755 fans for a show that was supported by WWF. And to look at this lineup now with, with the eyes of a 2021 child, this is a really cool show, like a little, little footnote. So during the show, now not every match, so bear with, the Navajo Warrior versus Donovan Morgan was your opening match. All right. Um, Evolution. Call, uh, but not evolution, which is a mystery. They've not been invented yet. No, I'm talking about the evolution team of Frankie Kazarian and Nova. Oh, when they were a thing, they beat Ricky Reyes and Rocky Romero in the second oh. match. On the Havana uh, Pitbulls, yeah, the Havana Pitbulls, the Urban Outlaws, Marshall Knox and Mike Knox. Hello, Mike. God, beating KG Sakoda and the Drunken Irishman. Excuse me? The drunken Irishman. In the corner, am I right? <laughs> from the, the drunken tap. Irishman. Yep. He was a, he was a, I don't think he was from Ireland either. That was the saddest part. Oh, uh, but he was U- drunk. The UPW lightweight title was decided. Mikey Henderson beating Takamichinoku. Wow. Little cheeky Taka match in there. Uh, the Ballard brothers put the UPW tag oh. titles on the line against... Hank Hill and Tom Howard. What? Hank and, Hill? And the team of Chris Bell and Smelly. What? Not to bury the lead here, but Hank Hill? <laughs> Hank Hill! The master of propane and propane I'm a, accessories. I'm a gas man. Boop, <laughs> boop. <laughs> I'm a gas man, y'all. Do, do. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for some propane? That's his Titan Tron. But pain is spelled P A I N. Hardcore Kid, aka Aaron Aguilera, oh, aka Jesus, the man who, yeah. who stole John Cena's kidney <laughs> in 2004. Remember Best friends are smelly. <laughs> It's <laughs> smelly. Smelly. Be, they be equally smelly. Vic Grimes in a while. Oh, one I bet stunk. Um, oh, and talking of which, hey, look out for your kidney because straight after that, the prototype beats bad boy Basil. So John Cena on the same card as the man who stole his kidney. I thought you were going to say, watch out for superstar Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> he probably needs is, one as we speak. Is that going, Megan? Shut up, Billy. Uh, <laughs> Seems like Billy Graham getting wrestlers to attack other fresher wrestlers so he can harvest their body parts. Sounds like a gimmick that we missed out on. That's a brilliant story. That is a brilliant story. <laughs> it's modern day Dracula. <laughs> so he's just building a new body. <laughs> Made Bring me John Cena's limbs. <laughs> Bring me the head of Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> Bring me Smelly's armpit. (laughs) Oh, Oh. 
John, I'd say do that as a Photoshop, but I think Alberto Del Rio may take it the wrong way and I don't want to get on his wrong side. Um, Staz is a name that's come up here. Now, I've desperately what? tried to do some research into Staz. He only ever had four matches in the wrestling world. But in that time, he was the UPW World Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> and on this night, he beat Samoa Joe. <laughs> so, I don't know. You got me. Unless unless Staz is another name for Taz. <laughs> that was the thing that happened. And how was this for a main event, right, in 2000? Kurt Angle versus Christopher Daniels. Oh, it's that show. Yes, ah. I remember that being talked about and discussed. It's like, wow. Because obviously <laughs> Daniels, even back then, was super indie king. And Kurt Angle was obviously, yeah, the WF dude. And I think it's one of those matches that is considered good, but everyone's like, God, giving it like a year, maybe two years, and that would have been magnificent. Mm, yeah, but it's just, it's just a nice little footnote, that whole show. I thought a nice little one. Uh, Smackdown. I was bewildered by that. Thank you, Tom. Because you could have made some of those names up, and I would have no idea. How do you know I haven't made up Smelly? <laughs> Why would you need to make anything up when the truth is too funny? <laughs> exactly. Uh, just before this SmackDown starts, we're going to throw it over to Matthew Gregg, but there was a segment that wasn't filmed for this episode of SmackDown, oh. which features a new character walking out, running down the audience, and talking about proper manners and etiquette. <gasps> is it the debut It's of not Naked Midian? It's Naked Midian! <laughs> <laughs> posh naked Midian Midian's new clothes uh, now a character calling himself Stephen William Regal was berating the crowd in an untaped segment uh, no doubt mere days away from a proper debut oh mm. okay. well, Stevie's we know back why baby that is. I was going to say we know why that is because of uh, something happens later on in the episode but um, quickly I read William Regal's book uh, during a night shift that I had the other week that I'm still recovering from. And my God, if you need to stay awake, that book will. What a harrowing tale. Oh, isn't it of just? Drugs and abuse. Uh, but glad that he got on the up and up afterwards, obviously. But yeah, you come in there. Wow, I hope he talks about those crazy matches with Finley. And it's like, oh God. <laughs> and I woke up. After getting on the plane, I woke up and I was on a turmac. I'm like, where am I? Alaska. No, don't take the mick. Where am I? No, you're you legitimately in Alaska. Why am I here? Because <laughs> you're pissed on an air hostess. Oh. Where, where is this? A prison. Oh, man, just grim. Just, a, just he was in a bad way. I didn't really need to bring that up, but the fact that you had us with Smelly and Hank Hill, that was, <laughs> as they used to call it, the Divas match before we lower the tone and get ready for the SmackDown. Because <laughs> there's no way I could fill that, so I thought I'd depress everybody a bit. Absolutely. And then move on to the cold open that starts this week's SmackDown, with Mick Foley in the ring and the entire roster surrounding it, as Mick Foley is conducting his own investigation into who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin? Was it Officer Bob Brady, Mr. Garrison, or the 1994 Denver Broncos? Let's find out on this witty wee. Widdy Woo. <laughs> We're in Milwaukee, and here's The Rock, fashionably late. Foley says after seeing that no one is fessing up to who did it, Mick Foley is going to make predictions and speculate that after Austin's accident, someone saw their popularity go through the roof. Someone saw their merchandise sales go through the roof afterwards. He hates to say it, but one of the suspects is his former tag team partner, 
The Rock. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And fully reminds us that it was The Rock's rental car after all. Just saying. That's true. Look so at not you, only, Dwayne. Right, if it wasn't The Rock, then not only is that person up for charges for attempted murder in GBH, but driving inappropriately. If he didn't have the license to, to drive that car, this, this poor man's, if his career isn't over, his insurance will be. Uh, the Rock has told everyone, including McFoley and Austin, that he did not do it. Even though you're a best-selling author, McFoley, you are having issues understanding English. The Rock did not run down Stone Cold. To make sure that McFoley understands it, he says it in Swedish. Hershey, 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 hoot, hoot, Stone Cold, hoot, hoot. Like, okay. By the way, this is a very, oh, it's definitely the year 2000 episode. I'm just going to say that now. So if you are drinking along with this, uh, perhaps you have a beverage or some H2O like Ron Waterman, that'll be the time to get it and start drinking it. Uh, Rock then says he'll do it in Chinese. And it's about what you'd expect from the year of our Lord 2000, and I'm not doing it. Now, I watched this um, in the front room. Alex was out of the table <laughs> doing, doing her... Um, doing her sort of face cleansing stuff as I was watching it and making notes. And there was this wonderful moment when, so The Rock's doing <laughs> this thing and he says, let me do it in Swedish. And he just hear flippity, 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 and all that. He makes some noises like Swedish. And, and Alex went, it'd have been great if he'd actually learned it in Swedish. That'd have been good. And I was like, yeah, it would have been good. And then he said, if you still don't understand, let The Rock say it in Chinese. And at exactly the same time, Alex sat across the room I and Jerry Lawler on commentary all went, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, no. Oh, he did. He did that. Okay, okay. And I just, yeah. Alex's face just like, hmm. So, and she, and then, and she made a really good point because they, they bleeped out him saying ass just before that. And she said, so they'll bleep out ass, but that's all right. And I said, it's 2000. It's yeah. it's it's it doesn't excuse it, but it's it's of a time, <laughs> and it's not right, but it's of a time. <laughs> I think they they got all the the stuff that's not going to age well and put it in one episode because there's lots <laughs> of it. So yes, this was uh, the Rock Two: Return to Racism, and Rock admits, look, even if Austin wasn't hit, the Rock would still be WF champ today which I think is a really badass statement to say. Foley admits he didn't think The Rock did it, but just needed to clarify. So that leaves the other guy in that three-way match. The Big Show. Oh, wait, he's too busy being a fat bastard. Let's check in with Triple H instead. Triple H admits he set up Austin for a beatdown with DX. That's what he does, Mick. I beat people up, and I'm damn good at it. But I did not run over Stone Cold with a car. I don't get rid of my enemies with a car. If I wanted to do it, I'd do it eye to eye while censoring the ass word. <laughs> Maybe Foley's looking at it the wrong way. Maybe instead of a plan, the person who did it was just a bad driver. And we know that historically, women are bad drivers. Take a shot. And looking around the ring, the person who most resembles a woman is Kurt Angle. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Mick Foley gives Kurt the chance to defend himself. Kurt asks, what's his motive? He beat Olympians tougher than Stone Cold. It's true, it's true. Why would he hate Austin? Just because he's a trash-talking, poor excuse for a role model? Why aren't you looking at 
S.A. Rios. <laughs> to no pop whatsoever in the crowd. It's always the quiet ones. Maybe Stone Cold stole his green card. Oh, S.A. speaks Spanish and Kurt says, Did you hear him? He said, I'm a bad man and I should be punished. <laughs> and that's what I think. <laughs> it's just nice to see S.A. Rios' moment in the ring with The Rock and Triple H and Kurt Angle. That's right. What a, what a final five in a rumble that would be. And if it wasn't S.A. Rios, Kurt says, well, it has to be Triple H and DX. I've put here, I love Kurt. X-Pac denies it and he's accompanied to the ring by X-Pac sucks chant. <laughs> Get used to that. And says, hey, guess who started off mediocre but got hotter as a result of Steve Austin getting hit by the car? Y2J did. Jericho denies it and says it, could have been, it couldn't have been X-Pac because he was the one who set up Austin in the first place which is true, and Kirk Angel was right. Who had the biggest motive? Who hated Austin the most, especially after what Austin did to a nerdy brother and genetic jackhammer dad? It's obvious. It's the filthy, dirty, disgusting, brutal, bottom-feeding tramp, Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley. Steph reminds everyone that her and Shane weren't even there at that time, as we were in an ambulance being led to the hospital. So it has to be the guy who once abducted her on TV. The Undertaker. Foley asks if it's true. Undertaker says, yes, it's true. <gasps> she is a sleazy tramp. <laughs> womp womp. And he's doing it by chew- with chewing tobacco. Right. Yeah, yeah, let's do, it, let's do it accurately, Tom. You're right. Is it true, Undertaker? <laughs> Mud- Mudkip Undertaker, is it true? <laughs> Does he goz on the canvas? It looks like he spits on the canvas at one point. Yeah. It's minging. Because he's a badass. Just a, no, he's just grim. He's just dirty boy. Badass Undertaker chews tobacco and destroys liberals. <laughs> Kurt Angle is offended and attacks Undertaker from behind. And it's time for the big pie fight with everyone brawling and it ending with Mick Foley's music playing to signal the end, which didn't really work. But everyone's like, all right, fine, guess it's over. This was a lovely, lovely segment with all the big stars interacting and accusing one another. And although there were a few times when people just insulted one another, the reason why this works so well is because, yeah, a lot of people could have done it. A lot of people had every reason to run over Stone Cold. So it's a genuine who done it. Mm. They're treating this like it's who shot Mr. Burns. And it's just the fact that he's such an asshole that you almost go, well, lots of people could have done it. Yeah. And there's lots of and people with motives to do it. Yeah, we had all the interactions, all the feuds, mixing it up as we do in this as well. What a wonderfully put together segment and a wonderfully put together time for storylines and wrestling. It was good fun. It was a good fun opener to the whole show. I thought yeah. everybody played their parts really well. Nice to see S.A. Rios in the mix. <laughs> it was very, very <laughs> fun. I was a fan. Likewise. Scotty Two Hottie, who was sponsored by Crunch and Munch, RC Power Cola, and Right Guard Extreme Sport, which you can still buy. That like seems like point... something that would have de- would have died out years ago because it's have extreme it with would an have X. Gone. You'd have thought, yeah. yeah but I'd like to point out that Crunch and Munch and RC Cola are separate products because the one thing that you don't want is <laughs> is, a, is a drink that's crunchy. Yes, if your if your drink is crunchy, that's the bottle. <laughs> if the drink's crunchy, you might want to send it back and get your stomach pumped. <laughs> this shouldn't be crunchy. <laughs> Superstar Billy Graham. Ah, but what if you do not have one? Quick. 
Quick, Jesus, get me S.A. Rios' stomach. <laughs> get me the stomach of S.A. Rios. So I could continue to eat the RC Power Cola bottles like a dolphin eating plastic in the ocean. <laughs> in fact, bring me a dolphin. <laughs> I would like fins this week. Bring me the fin of Finn Bala. <laughs> <laughs> I will swim to Walmart to eat the RC poke. What the? F Where is this going? John! John! No, no. Billy Graham is a dog. No, because as soon as you do it, he'll pass away. They will just, they will just put RIP on it. Tasso retweet it. Go, I remember when superstar Billy Graham became half man, half fish. <laughs> Tag... John tag Taz in it. No, oh, God, <laughs> see don't. If he, see if he remembers. You're playing with lighter fluid, Taz. <laughs> anyway, Scotty, <laughs> Scotty Too Hotty is taking on Val Venus. Bring me the nothing of Val Venus. Get him away from me, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, bring me the charisma of Val Venus. What's this empty bag you brought me? <laughs> Bring me the push of Valve. Oh, I see someone beat you to it. Never mind. We have. What do you mean? We are pushing Valvinus. What do you mean? Well, we've put him in trousers. That's his new gimmick. He's wearing trousers. The thing is, right? Had we been doing our thing at Cultaholic in 2000, I would have genuinely pitched for a news video. Uh, Shocking new look for WWF star. <laughs> Val Venus is wearing trousers. I'd have pitched that, and I'm not even sorry. I like that. Yeah, Billy Graham is now a vampire. Oh, also, Val Venus is wearing trousers. <laughs> Everything's Scotty. happening. Everything's happening. Scott. Scotty is able to have a perfectly cromulent match with the ice cream man <laughs> until the rest of until the right until the rest of rice to cream emerge at ringside. Rice to cream. <laughs> We've Grandmaster making up the numbers. <laughs> Stephen gets interfered. Uh, what? Steve. That's a horrible sentence. Stephen gets interfered. <laughs> Who wrote that? Stephen Richards. Who shoved a ninety-nine flake up Stephen Richards? <laughs> Stop interfering with me, shouted Stephen. <laughs> Stephen was interfering, and Scotty, like a dum-dum, tries the worm on him, so Venus gives him the ice cream man suplex, formerly known as the sea man suplex, and then Sexay tries to interfere, but blah, 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 censored beat down, like we've seen the past few weeks. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I'm hanging on. Was it really called the Seaman Suplex? It's a fisherman suplex. Yeah. So I think we've discussed this before. About, probably I think about we have, ago. actually, yeah. But I assumed they called it the Seaman Suplex because it's Val Venus and it's such an obvious pun. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, just so we're clear, I don't think it was actually called that. They never officially... It's, it's one of those anomalies where it's the name of a finisher, but they never officially name it. But we kind of all accept that that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, seamen, fishermen. It's yeah, it makes it. It, it writes. It writes itself. Knob gags. <laughs> the knob gag suplex. He yeah. hits him with the knob gag driver. Oh no, the knob gag off the top rope. <laughs> 
I mean, the knob gag would be the... What? Hang on! Hang on! Hang on! Hang on! Why didn't Valvinus call the testicular claw the knob gag? It's a bit too on the nose. It's on the knob. Uh... <laughs> See, he had all these ideas and all gone now because he's wearing trousers. Yeah, once he wears his trousers, he loses all his power. He's there burning his manuscript backstage in the fireplace in the arena for some reason. But the ash of the, fi- of the fire's going on his white trousers. Uh, I'll yeah. have to clean that. Yeah. I hate it when I get stains while work. No, no, Venus, no. <laughs> I've got Don't cream all over me. <laughs> Ice cream. Ice cream, that is. I think, yeah, so if, if a money shot was the splash of the top row, what do they call that now? Uh, okay, they would call A bit that... of red stuff. <laughs> the spring... no, sprinkles. Knob um... <laughs> gag slap. Beautiful. What would they call a bit of the red stuff? What was the red stuff on an ice cream? Was it... Monkey's blood. Monkey's blood. They... <laughs> Oh, you know what? I would love to hear Michael Cole call the monkey's blood top rope splash. Monkey's blood? (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Lawler, just just constantly confused. The monkey's blood. (laughs) Speaking of confused, this sets up, naturally, right to censor with the teams they've been feuding with for weeks now, which is, of course, the APA and the Dudley boys. (laughs) And Too Cool are doing... Sod all at Unforgiven. <laughs> Thanks for coming, lads. Thanks for but getting R- beat down three weeks in a row. But Rikishi's doing something at Unforgiven. He will be. We'll get to him later on. Mm-hmm. But for now, Triple H tells Stephanie how proud he is of her. For, are, you ready to, are you ready, Tom? He sat down. I'm ready, I'm ready. How proud he is of her beating Test <laughs> 1, 2, 3 on Raw. And I've even typed, ha, 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 that happened. Steph pinned test on Monday Night Raw. Triple H is impressed with Angle's ability, considering guys like that aren't known for their toughness and implies that Kurt Angle is a bit of a, oh, you know. (laughs) I even put, man, this is the most remember when people would say that episode. Mm. Um, he, He also inexplicably, you know, correct me if I'm right, Tom, and if you're on the radio and you're, Either side, I don't know, to imply something about somebody being a bit of a hoo-hoo-hoo. Um, you have to be very careful with what you say, is what I was under the impression of. You do. Triple H then segues this into going, well, you know, I think Carl Lewis was like that. Oh. <laughs> Which I couldn't believe, because you, I was under the impression you couldn't just imply, heavily imply, that's... You, somebody who isn't, and there's no evidence to say that there is, is there, a bit like there that. There is libel. Yes, that that's fall, the one I'm that calling, falls but... into this. So, I mean, if Carl Lewis felt so inclined, he could sue for defamation of character. Yeah, that there and there would be there'd be a lawsuit there. Yeah, I mean, it made sense if he made any like famously gay athletes, but he goes Carl Lewis. I'm like, what? I had to go Google. Wait, is Carl Lewis gay? And my, my computer yelled, no. Why would you say that? <laughs> he was. He was. It was believed that he was, wasn't it? During the was it? Yeah. For a oh. long while, but he d- he denies even to this day that that he that he's homosexual. But it was oh. perceived for a long time, so it was kind of that. It doesn't make it okay, but it was one of those things that was in conversation at that time. That oh, Carl, oh, Carl Lewis is gay, 
And Carl Lewis would go, well, no, I'm not. And people would go, yeah, all right, wink. Um, so that's why he's dropped this in. This isn't just like a random dig out of nowhere. It's a, it is a, it's, it's, it's crass and it's a bit, cr- it's, it's crude by modern standards, by any standards, but it's, there's a topicality to it. Thank you. Uh, I was called Triple H. Thank you, Tom. Um, because I Googled and nothing came up. So I guess people moved on. Um, but yeah, I just, just yeah, I thought you just named Rob Carl Lewis. <laughs> It was, well, yeah. you know, he's a bit like that, you know, like Michael Jordan or whatever. That's what I thought that was like that's reference for the sake of a reference. Oh, okay, well, that, that's fair enough then. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, it, it was topical. But it, again, like if I was to say it on radio, then there would be libel, defamation of character. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I'd get into all sorts of hot water. The power of the word allegedly is, is strong, yeah. but I don't know how much it would protect you uh, if you were just, to, if you would say what Triple H said. Even Triple H looked at the camera and went, allegedly, it would. Uh, I think it was one of those comments that was there and then it wasn't. Um, I don't know whether there was any blowback from it. Um, yeah. Possibly not. We'll we'll see in weeks to come in The Observer, but nothing yeah. I'm aware of. This would be, if, if we did call Hulk back in the day, uh, Carl Lewis is furious with WWE. It's like an <laughs> angry picture of Carl Lewis with flames in the background. And... Heat between Carl Lewis and yes. WWE. Gay heat between Carl Lewis and <laughs> WWE. <laughs> Anyway, Is it flowers, well, that's that, burns brighter. Um, <laughs> flowers from Kurt Angle appear to celebrate Steph's victory against Test. Triple H, those are nice flowers. They must have been out of pansies. Oh. Womp, womp, womp. It was the year 2000. Take a drink. <laughs> this is we're not we we talk about this show but we'd like to say that we don't excuse or condone any of the things that are being said it's like it's like looking through it this is a this is a time capsule review show and yeah it just it makes you cringe when you hear lines like that and you go oh gosh why why was all that okay oh we must bleep out the word ass but <laughs> racist chinese impressions and homosexual yeah. allegations um all fine. Just don't say ass. The Paris Television Council. Okay, you can make all those gay accusations you like, but don't say ass. Right. Again, it's it's the song acceptable in the eighties. It's like, oh, I remember the eighties all wacky, and you twenty years ago was twenty years ago. It really was. <laughs> You're like, oh. But I was just more impressed. Never mind the like accusing athlete of being gay or hinting. It's just the fact that he name dropped them. It was somebody else as well. But I wrote down Carlos because I heard of him. I'm just like, just. <laughs> Triple H and then Carl Lewis. <laughs> anyway, Lita is here with the Hardy Boys and the WWF.com logo making a run-in briefly. <laughs> Weird bit. No little cheeky nod to, to WWF.com. That's all that is. Just oh. reminding you that there's a website. There is a website. Now if you go to it, it's full of pandas for some reason. <laughs> I wonder if we'll bring that up later on. Matt and an inability to speak hype up the unforgiving cage match this Sunday. It's not a good promo, and Edge and Christian thankfully interrupt it with a video. They're watching old home movies of the Hardy Boys, with Matt as High Voltage and Jeff as Wolverine. Edge and Christian both have wigs on. I guess they're supposed to be film critics. I think it's like Siskel and Ebert, but I think you get it, even if you don't know who they are. Uh, They mock Matt Hardy talking, and he says, there's only two things you could do about it. Nothing and like it. And Christian goes, hey, that's Taz's line. (laughs) (laughs) 
the burial of Taz still happening. Um, Edge says Matt has somehow gotten worse as a talker, which is one of those lines that they probably regret because, God, it was true on this episode. Edge uh, mocking the Hardy's finger point. Is that sign language for dumbass? And they Christian, were just so good. Oh, they, they were well, really... Yes. They distilled this into like a few quick bits and just had a funny bit, and it was perfect. Christian, Jeff has managed to capture the essence of having no brain. After five minutes of watching them, the Hardy Boys realise they have had enough and go looking for them. But when they eventually find the room, they get sneak attacked like the dum-dums they are. Matt takes a concerto, but not before shoving Lita into the wall. This did wonders Virgin Christian and bugger all for the Hardy Boys. It made the Hardy Boys look like chumps. They got laughed at. They tried to stop the... They tried to, to beat the baddies up. They get clattered. See you on Sunday. I'm sure you're about to win the tag team titles. <laughs> yeah, after a few weeks of the Hardy Boys are awesome, I guess it's actually evened things up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Leah took a horrible bump right there in the wall. Gotta hope she's okay. And they show lingering shots of her on the floor. Oof. Really horrible moment. Uh, here's Al Snow and Espanol. Yes, Al Snow is European champion, representing the country of Spain. And he is doing so with a piñata, a big old sombrero, a giant mustache, and a photo of Ricardo Montalban. I love this stupid, stupid gimmick. Wasn't With it also as European champion representing all of Eureka. <laughs> Would you like some facts on um, R- Ricardo Montbellon, <laughs> who we will we will very much know from Fantasy uh, yes. Island? Yes, and he um, is as Lola makes reference to because he used to do these famous adverts way back when. He <laughs> gets given the photo and he goes, "Is the frame made of fine Corinthian leather?" which are the car products he used to sell. Yep, uh, I've got a little fact on that as well. Oh, well, go ahead, sorry, go on. Welcome to our whistle, st- as our normal segment, <laughs> our regular segment, fun facts about Ricardo Montbellon. <laughs> I love this segment, it's my favourite bit. <laughs> it's everyone's favourite segment. So, um, when they were pitching Fantasy Island, well, first of all, Fantasy Island was was pitched as a joke. Do you know this? No, why was it pitched as a joke? So, um, it was at a time when uh, ABC were taking a lot of pitches for TV shows. And the the name behind Fantasy Island, uh, away from the actors, like the creator of Fantasy Island was Aaron Spelling. And he was in a pitch meeting with the network, giving these big ideas. Uh, wasn't going particularly well. Eventually, it led to an exasperated joke from a producer 
He says, quote, Aaron was in his office trying to sell a show to ABC. His wife Candy recalls this in a history book, in the oral history for The Hollywood Reporter. She says, quote, I heard him say, what do you like me to do? Put some guy on an island and have him grant wishes to people? He was being sarcastic. Of course, the network loved this idea, and that's where Fantasy Island came from. He went in with a bunch of really great ideas, did Aaron Spelling. They didn't want any of them until he made this exasperated comment of, what do you want me to do? Put a guy on an island and have him Grant wishes. Yes, we want that, please. And that's the birth of Fantasy Island. It wasn't meant to be Ricardo Monbalon. The network didn't want him to be the, the lead character in this. The network actually wanted Orson Welles to play the role. What? So think on how different it would have been with Orson Welles in the role. <laughs> what year was it on? Oh gosh, uh, this would have been. I'll get the. You've been the Ricardo Montalban. I know you said this three episodes ago, but I missed. The oh yeah, Ricardo yeah. I, I know. In our time. regular segment, we do talk about this. Um, yeah. It was Fantasy Island, nineteen seventy-seven. Oh okay. Yeah, he, he needed the money. He could have done it. Exactly, exactly. But this ended up being the. Uh, the 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 entire the the the, the life work the, the beginning of the the success of Ricardo Mombolan he become a massive star uh, in his home country as a result of this and he says that talking about fantasy island Mombolan believed that it was a representation of purgatory they never truly explained no. what it was all about but he said it was meant to be sort of a purgatory and Mombolan was kind of like the devil or the devil's right hand man which I quite liked and it led to a career revival for Mombolan this series in his late 50s he went on to be in Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan I was about to say yes uh, and have you seen Wrath of Khan? I haven't <gasps> I know it, this is one Star Trek film you need to see because there's, there's half of them legitimately are awful um mm-hmm. Which is even the modern ones, half of them are great, half of them are. But Star Trek Two, you can get time to, because Khan was a character in the original TV series, so it really is a guy coming back. And it's like, ah, it's me, and it's it's very well done. I'll just say that I'm not Runathan. But the thing that people bring up about uh, Ricardo Montalban is the fact that he's in his uh, was he in his fifties? Oh, his sixties. Good God, I thought he was in his fifties. In his sixties, he's chiseled. And it's, it's very briefly seeing because you walk around going, ah, ha, ha, I'm so big, me. And his chest is out. And you're like, <laughs> right. I mean, you got some decent pecs there. I mean, some decent uh, prosthetics, I guess, to make him more pop. And then uh, years later, people watching go, that's him in his 60s? Like, okay, fair Mondal enough. Bomb was ripped at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me Mondobol's chest muscles. <laughs> his was... Now, they never actually did any scenes together. Did Khan, did, did Montalbon and Shatner. They were all That's right, because uh, they're in different ships. Exactly. But you say you never see them together, despite the fact they are so intrinsically linked through the film. And we, you mentioned it there, uh, Montalbon starred in a famous advert for the Chrysler Cordoba, in mm. which he praises the fine Corinthian leather. And here's the thing. Corinthian leather isn't a thing completely made up there's no such thing as corinthian leather it's not even from corinth it's not it was made in new jersey but corinthian leather was just a little bit of marketing bollocks that was made up that just so happened to catch on so they they never they never fixed it 
So the line fine Corinthian leather, completely bollocks, no such thing, but <laughs> an iconic piece of vocal work from uh, Ricardo Montalbon. And there is our usual segment, a history of Ricardo Montalbon. Or Montbelon, depending on how I'm going to pronounce it in the next. Yeah, I was going to say I think we have multiple week. pronunciations there. I thought if I if I try and pronounce them in different ways, one of them's bound to be right. <laughs> and also, a quick mention to his Fantasy Island co-star, Hervé Villachez, who appeared in *The Man with a Golden Gun* as Nick Knack. Roger Moore disposed of by putting him in a suitcase and throwing him off a boat. <laughs> in one of the most un PC things I've ever seen. Which will probably happen in the later on this bloody episode. No one ever else going on. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in to SmackDown and hearing us talk about Ricardo Montalbom. And as people are like just grabbing their CRT monitors like Boris and Goldeneye, going, stop talking about Ricardo Bondelbon. <laughs> We're here to talk about SmackDown, and he is an intrinsic part of the ta- yes. of the tapestry that is the history of SmackDown. Yes, that's right. Former NWA champ, Ricardo Bondelbon. It's a hardcore title match. Al El- 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 Snow. El Snow, she called it. El Snow. El Snow against Heath Blackman. It's only for the hardcore title. And of course, there is zero reference to head cheese, the tag theme so hated by WWF that they will not acknowledge it, <laughs> even when it would actually help them. Oh, it's sad. Al starts off the match by smashing a piñata over Blackman. Uh, while this is happening, we get a brief mention. Also, Raw makes its debut on TNN soon. Say it with me, Venus. Bye, ECW. Yeah, so this um, this is a, a, a bit of news from this week. So the Delaware Supreme Court on the 18th ruled not to overturn the Chancery Court ruling that WWF would be able to accept a deal from Viacom. This is something that's gone back and forth for the better part of the year. So now it's finally, all systems go, bye-bye USA Network, hello TNN, and this is bye-bye to ECW, uh, whose final show is set for the 22nd of November, so just a couple of days after this Smackdown, a couple of days around this episode of Smackdown, and Raw debuts on TNN the Monday come in. And... The the issue is you're going from an established network to one not so established, and you can tell in the the way that they talk about this, the way they talk it up isn't as crystal clear. And like the one thing you need to do when you're when you're selling a change to a station is to make the the messaging clear, to make the hoops as easy to jump through as possible and as minimal as possible. And the way they talk about WWF on TNN. The, the language is weird because it's like, well, you you got to look for us, but we're there because the, obviously the, whether it's a lack of visibility for TNN or whether it's on different numbers in different states in different places, there's a real like, well, we'll, we'll be on. You'll just have to look for us. Yeah, they keep on turning the knob until we, and then both of like, like, no, come on, <laughs> the <turn>. dial. A <laughs> turn. <laughs> keep on turning the dial, we'll be on there. Uh, because yeah, you're right. TNN was a much smaller thing than it was. The Turner National, the Turner Network. Weird to think. TNN Turner and WWF. No, TNN was the Nashville Network. Oh bollocks! No, TNT. <laughs> TNT oh, is up, Turner. Idiot. 
TNN is the national... Ricardo Mondelbon will be on TNT. <laughs> Turner, classic. TCM, I should say. Turner, classic movies. Fantasy Island versus Star Trek. Tonight. TNN, TNN was the Nashville network and later the national network. It's oh, nice. Yeah. It's nice. I have great love for a brand that can change its name, but not its initials. I mm. like that. Par example, LBC, the radio station used to be um, the London Broadcasting Corporation. Mm -hmm. So it's based in London. And once it became a national station, they changed it up to to make it more... I need to find out what it's actually called now. (laughs) Okay, so it was LBC when it was based in London, on DAB in London. It was the London Broadcasting Company. When it made, became a national station, they changed it up again to reflect the fact that it was a national com- uh, company, and it changed its name to Leading Britain's Conversation. And they didn't need to change their initials. I appreciate that kind of neatness from LBC. Yeah. FMW used to be known as Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling when they were doing the whole Anita versus other sports, like boxing and uh, karate. But when they got rid of that, they just changed it to FMW stands for FMW. <laughs> oh, they just, they didn't even change, they, they just made it like that's just the name of the company now. Yeah, they went, it doesn't, stands for FMW. KFC did the same. KFC no longer stands for Kentucky Fried Chicken. What? It's just, it's just KFC now. Are you pulling my leg? No, 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 I'm not pulling your leg. <laughs> Bring me the leg of, no. Um, <laughs> No, no, this is true. They they no longer stand for Kentucky Fried Chicken. The company name is now KFC. I didn't know that. Thank and you. also, another great example of that, this will blow your goddamn mind, oh, God. World Wrestling Entertainment is no longer called World Wrestling Entertainment. It's just called WWE. Huh. Mm. So, really, like, like KFC, if KFC stops selling chicken, they're not going against the Trade Description Act. Because we're not associated with chicken. Our name is KFC. We could put any old toss in this. I was going to say, I don't think we should be too quick to insult the Trade Description Act. I think we're violating it right now. <laughs> Are we not talking about SmackDown in a classic way? No, and I'll beautifully, beautifully segue this into um, something that's inappropriate for ourselves. Uh, very quickly after the pinata shot, Perry Saturn runs out in jeans. And for a good second, given his tan and his jeans, I swear I thought it was Bulldog. <laughs> I got very confused for a good second, going, wait, what? I don't remember this. Did you get quite excited and think, Bulldog's back? Oh, no, he's not. I thought, he do, he wasn't in this episode last time I watched it, but now he is. What if very he's worried, inserting actually. himself into, <laughs> into episodes? What if Google he's reality. haunting us? What if, he's like a, what if Bulldog has become a creepypasta? And just keeps appearing in episodes of wrestling shows that we watch. Alex was watching Desperate Housewives last night. And and just as Edie's going around to burn Sarah's house down, there's a bin that comes flying out of nowhere. That's right. I was watching Do the Right Thing uh, for the first time in a while. And there's this right about the breakout. It's all very tense and out of nowhere. Uh, Sal's Pizzeria's window gets smashed by a bin and all you hear in the background is, where's my title shot? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh. I was watching Line of Duty 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy came in and said, one thing I don't like is bent coppers. <laughs> Just as he was about to finger the bent copper. Not like that, you monster. <laughs> Bin comes flying out of nowhere. And it's I thought you were going to say Bulldog said, it's all right, I can't physically bend. <laughs> I was watching an episode of Friends. Oh no! <laughs> and, and it's just as um, just as Rachel's found out that she's Brigandanand, and uh, they've ordered um, they've ordered pizza to kind of chat about. It. Order a bit. The doorbell rings. Door swings open. Hello, it's me, your new neighbour. <laughs> but he's holding a pizza. So Rachel goes, oh, good joke. You must be the pizza guy. I'll have that pizza. Oh, no. It's my... I've got to give that pizza to number 12. They'll be so angry. (laughs) What a comedic situation I find myself in once more. (laughs) That's got to be friends. Not one to ruin this moment, but I really need the toilet. Jeez. No! I don't want to kill the momentum, but bloody hell. First one of the day. I'm, I'm just greasing my chair. <laughs> no worries. It's been squeaking. I know I noticed it during the Desert Island Graps the other day that it was it was squeaking, so I thought I'd take the moment to put some WD forty on it. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I'm high as a kite though from the WD forty. So the rest of this will be good. Yes, the rest of it was so so clean and precise. <laughs> it was so precise before. Yeah. Now it's all going to go to shit. Oh. All right, there we Let go. Let me know when you're ready. Oh, I've born ready. This is all staying in. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Sutton gets two with his own referee. So Test shows up with his own referee, tries to interfere, as does Albert. And Kai and Ty all trying to interfere with their own referees. Uh, Perry Sutton does a beautiful acai moonsault onto the lads. And then we, he very loudly gets asked, are you okay? On camera. Uh, the answer is yes, so that's all right. Then Blackman kicks Tucker and pins him to end this giant mess to set up another giant mess at Unforgiven. <laughs> now, you know how you I'm say that... I'm glad that we had that stuff to fill. Go on. You know how you said that you thought Bulldog was out there because Perry Sutton turned up in jeans? Hmm. Bulldog's fingerprints were all over this because... Because it was a mess. What weapon does Test come out carrying? Uh, I, I can't remember. I didn't write down. Was it some Vicodin? It, it was a bin. <laughs> and not only does he come out with a bin, he inexplicably bites it as he's walking down the ring. <laughs> you watch it back. He's just randomly biting a bin. <laughs> Like he's, he's bulldog all over again. <sighs> <laughs> Thanks, Bulldog. You really helped last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bulldog's helping every TV show at the moment. No. 
We were pulling rope until you showed up. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Stone Cold is coming up soon, but never mind that. Something way more important than something like a Steve Austin promo. It's the SmackDown Challenge. <laughs> I am absolutely sick of this. Even oh, more people this. are asked, do you think it'd be a good idea if Al Gore and George W. Bush showed up on SmackDown with Jesse Ventura? And they're like, that'll be great. I can't wait to see it. Young people don't watch CNN. They watch SmackDown. We're so pop. How can WWF be this cool at this period of time and still have a segment this bad? The SmackDown challenge is this. We want these presidential candidates, whether it be Gore or Bush, to come right here and speak to the real Americans right here on SmackDown. And if they agree to come here, Jesse Ventura, the governor of Minnesota, has already agreed to moderate. Well, earlier tonight, we spoke with WWF fans here in Milwaukee at a voter registration booth. George Bush and Al Gore have been ignoring the SmackDown challenge so far. I think they need to come out and accept the SmackDown challenge to get out to that young voter. If they want us to vote for them, they need to come out and accept the SmackDown challenge to show us that the next president of the United States is not afraid to hear what the young voters want to say. The young voters don't watch Notline. They don't watch Meet the Press. This is exactly the, the, the arena for them. They would be like showing us that they actually care about our opinions. It's going to make it a lot easier for us to see who we want to pick when they're right there in front of us in the WWF ring. So they should just get in it and debate and get it over with, and then we'll choose who the next president of the United States is. Now the nonpartisan campaign to get fans to register to vote. Over 90,000 young Americans have been registered. Can you believe it? What is, what's Gore Bush thinking about? Come on, join us here at SmackDown. Speak to the real America. We're begging him to take the SmackDown challenge. I hate this, right? Because there's one lad that turns up and says, I'm paraphrasing, it'll be easier for us to decide who we want to pick if they're in front of us at a WWF ring. <laughs> you entitled uh... little bastard. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I don't want to put another channel on. I want them to be on the program that I'm on. You entitled little prick. Like <laughs> it, That attitude annoys me. It just... Can everything please come to me 
rather than me making any concerted effort. I really, do you know what? I would have far more respect for this SmackDown challenge, bollocks, which is, if you missed last week or the week before, uh, so WWF are desperately trying to get George Bush and Al Gore to do a a, a back and forth, a, a bit of promo work on an episode of Raw or SmackDown. And they're doing so by by sort of emotionally blackmailing the youth vote <laughs> just the, yes. with the young people. And they're, they're all doing these talking head bits, these voxes on SmackDown saying, well, I think it'd be great if they want to speak to the kids, they'll, they'll come to the WWF. I don't know who I'm going to vote for, but if one of them appears on the WWF, I'll definitely vote for them. I just was, I'm begging for somebody to come on this thing and go, well, I mean, it'd be great if they did come on, but I'm going to do all my research into what both parties stand for and, and make a vote accordingly. Like, I would love it if somebody had said that, but they don't. They absolutely don't. <laughs> it's all just, come on to the wrestling show or I won't vote for you. Yeah. But then, Austin is here. He's on camera and he makes sure to get his deer head in the shot again. He's <laughs> oh, so consistent. The true He's a stickler for continuity. The, the true mastermind of it all is the deer head. Yes. And Austin tells us the important news. He also thinks Gore and Bush should smack down their... No, of course it's not that. He <laughs> says he is going to be conducting his own investigation at Unforgiven. And as far as he's concerned, everyone is guilty until proven innocent. And that's the bottom line, because WDF New York is an entertainment complex with audiovisual experiences. <laughs> and if you would like to rent out this place, then please ring 0800 Stone Cold Needs Money. <laughs> yep this was what it was uh, we are getting closer to Steve Austin coming back so he's making little appearances not to get too much of the show but everyone's getting involved with him if that makes sense the wicked web that he weaves uh, has lots of flies it's, I li I'm excited for Austin coming back at Unforgiven yeah. And, and just and that, this is a, this is a, a fun old time for Steve Austin, who's just going to rock up and look at all the pushes and all the development we've seen of wrestlers since his ab in his absence and drag them all back down to where they were before. <laughs> Bring them all screaming back down. Yeah. If you thought Al Snow and Venus didn't get much offense against The Rock, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> and uh, the strange sound of no chance in hell, please. Oh my God, it's Shane McMahon. He's not dead. He's alive. He gets on the mic and talks about being not dead. As a car drives past Tom's place really loudly. <laughs> God, that I was, was loud. I was letting the WD-40 air out, so I'll just... I'll oh, no, that, that's fine. You can leave it open. It just either, either that was a really loud car or you're outside. <laughs> Shane puts over Austin and how cool it was getting hit by a car, and he rambles on for a bit about nothing. Shane says he will help Austin find out who ran him over, and that's because he knows he didn't do it, but he knows who did. <gasps> that was a big ramble for little delivery. That segues into <laughs> Unforgiven, so... Shows up Shane McMahon's entire career, to be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Shane's going to help Steve Austin find... The, uh, the person who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. God anyway. love him. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get stunned. Oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> anyway, Triple H watches this and notices Shane said he was by himself at the hospital. And asks, wait, 
I thought you said that you were hanging out with them all night, Steph. And Steph's like, no, Shane can't be true. He had a concussion. He just fell 50 feet, uh, 60 feet, if you ask Jim Ross. Um, so who knows what he's talking about in that state of his. Ha, ha, ha. You believe me, right? And uh, D Detective Sherlock knows. This is a uh, nods and goes, yeah, they can tell he doesn't. Jerry Lawler and Jericho are teaming up uh, because X-Pac attacked Jericho and Rob with nunchucks then broke a small table over him with a top rope stamp followed by yelling Ah! and they are against what might be our new favourite tag team Tom, Taz and X-Pac <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of little feet. Well, here's little heat. <laughs> Explain to me what weird depth perception is going on where Axpuck still seems like the shortest man in this match. <laughs> I can't figure it out. It's like it's like a it's like one of those sort of um it's like one of those Ripley's believe it or not rooms <laughs> where all the all the perceptions weird. <laughs> For God, this, this match, right? This is this match is is problematic, right? It's Jerry Lawler and Jerick. Uh, lest lest we bloody forget, last week we had that killer segment with Taz throwing popcorn at Jerry Lawler because they weren't allowed to physically touch each other, as opposed to what emotionally touch each other. I don't know. They weren't allowed to touch each other until Unforgiven. This week, I ah, just stick him in a tag match. It's fine. It's fine now. Yeah, we'll let, we've forgotten about got that. I think McFoley, I'm sure the segment on Raw McFoley went, well, well, I said don't, like, you're not allowed to touch him. He goes, I didn't. He goes, yeah, but you like threw popcorn, you're a dick. No, you're fighting him now. Oh. Ah, uh, uh, is Jericho, that what happened? Uh, go on. Is that what happened? I imagine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jericho nearly pins Taz after five seconds, and then Taz gets away from Lawler and tags out to X-Pac. X-Pac sucks chance are deafening as he sells for Lawler's punches. Taz stops a pile driver. Well, that's his two moves, so time to sell. <laughs> Lola counters by getting his feet up to Xbox balls in a Bronco Buster attempt, but eventually Taz has enough and whips Lola with a strap to end it via DQ. Jericho nabs it and chases after Xbox with it, allowing Taz to choke Lola with another one and get released for a few months before returning as the mystery partner in the SummerSlam 2010 tag match. It was a deep cut, wasn't it, Matthew? Uh, yes, they're quite, quite they're quite uh, visual with the choking and the emphasis on that. Oh my God, Lord is getting choked. Lord is getting choked, which is a hell of a visual considering. One more time, this is supposed to be for kids. <laughs> it's a family show, isn't it? Channel Four. <laughs> yes, it chokes him like Princess Leia choking Jabba the Hood. <laughs> it's okay because it's for kids. Anyway, backstage, Eddie and... Sorry, any other thoughts on this, Tom? Um, uh, X-Pac shouldn't be selling for Lawler. That's the, that tag, in that tag match, that's a bit that annoys me. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I have to say on it. <laughs> backstage, Eddie and China are arguing again. And again, it's uncomfortable. Eddie claims he was sick on Raw, and that's why he wasn't able to wrestle Rikishi. So China did it instead. And then China's like, but you weren't that ill. So I wrestled Rikishi and it turns out you are right. 
these bits should be like funny and whatever, but they're not because China cries throughout the ball and it just makes it uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, she throws a bottle and it goes smash, smash across the wall. I don't know why I typed it like that. And she knows Eddie isn't the same person he was when they met. And then she cries away and smashes and leaves. And Eddie's like, Mamacita. Uh, JR comes out and replaces Lola, who is currently dead, which means we get JR putting over Playboy. And it's weird. You should read it, folks. This one talks about her collegiate career. <laughs> yes, that's why we're buying Playboy. Yeah. Eddie comes out to the ring with roses, because they were out of pansies, to beg forgiveness. <gasps> China no-sells the roses. And Eddie generates sympathy for himself and sucks up to her again. How could I keep you from the world, baby? You're awesome. And China accepts it after Eddie shows the cover of the upcoming Playboy issue to show how proud he is of her. And she's like, okay, that's fine. And Rikishi shows up. <laughs> and Rikishi's like, yo, you look good tonight, China. Much better than that snake, Eddie. <laughs> Rikishi makes fun of how Eddie speaks and says anti-Mexican things because it's 2000. He is remarkably chill tonight, isn't he, Rikishi? Yeah, he's... Uh, Considering all that's going yeah. on, he's remarkably chill. <laughs> Steve Austin's like, looking for who fools. ran him over. <laughs> Duffles, they all think it's someone else. <laughs> uh, Kishi has video of Eddie trying to break into Playboy Chicago and trying to block the release of the magazine. And it's vaguely funny in an ironic way to see like how they're pushing this as Eddie's there. Don't you understand, SA? This comes out Monday at places. Monday, you say, this comes out. Yeah, uh, Walmart, WH Smith, you can buy it. Wow, how much is it, Eddie? Well, it's like $3, if, I don't know. Um, so it's like a really ham-fisted attempt that's promoted Playboy. Uh, and Eddie kind of gets away with it. If they're trying to be funny about it, but then they're trying to make it serious. It's just like, oh, all right. Eddie goes back to defensive mode as China goes to leave him again. So Eddie proposes. Chat, sorry, the crowd saves this by saying, just say no. Just say no. She says yes. <laughs> and uh, they leave together, very happy. And I'll put it, hey, that dumb broad, am I right, 2000? Big booze for, for the proposal <laughs> acceptance. Big old booze. Yeah. These segments are going all over the place, but at the core of it, the China Eddie thing is, is funny when China's not crying and Eddie's being aggressive. Mm, yeah, definitely. But it's just, I just, I find the whole thing still a bit, a little bit close to the knuckle. One of the, you yeah. know, of all, of thing is, right, of all the, of all the kind of quote unquote edgy stuff they do on this show, the swearing, the, the xenophobia, the homophobia, and all of this, um, this is one of the more awkward <laughs> bits on the whole show, isn't it? Like this whole gaslighting story. It really is. Yeah, I'd say so. But, yeah. Yeah, it is, You isn't know what, it? Tom? We should move on. We should. We should, my friend. <laughs> I can't think of any funny way of putting it, so I was like, oh, it's just to say it was miserable and maybe feel uncomfortable. And we'll move on to stupid jokes. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, jokey jokes. joke. Stupid jokes. We go to break and come back mid-brawl with the APA and right to censor. Two cool show up and take out Venus, and then Bradshaw clotheslines Ball to win. The hell was that? I've yeah, I here. wonder whether there was an issue 
with um with time. the with the thing with, with the match because they didn't show the first half whether they were running short for time whether a segment ran long it was one of those where yeah, very weird they censored the match yeah they literally oh, censored ironic. the match and then the writer censor hit their finishes that don't have names anymore I'm just saying but when the Mean Street Posse did this thing they all had names the gas mask Hi society, <laughs> and now it's just oh the whole tra- oh no we don't call it that anymore the 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 offense from the good father uh, until the Dudleys appear and even the odds I think they were pushed for time there so obviously you've got to get the important stuff in the segment and so the Duds and the APA put on the glasses and dance yeah obviously that gets over very well it does so we're leading to an eight man tag aren't we right to, 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 we certainly uh, are unforgiven and that was the build up. That much. <laughs> I mean, it's been a show-long build-up, to be fair. Yeah. No. Let's go with that. It's been a show-long speaking, uh, speaking of build-up to Unforgiven, though, the main event is next. The Rock, Triple H and Undertaker versus Chris Benoit, Angle and Kane tonight. And it's a long build with all the entrances and recap as to why these people hate each other, which I think was very good for getting people back in the scheme of things and knowing why this match is happening. Uh, and also, Lugs of the Week which was Undertaker chokeslamming The Rock through a table and then pinning him on Raw. Ooh. And don't worry, the lugs is not just the side order of this SmackDown main event meal. Also, RC Maximum Power Cola, endorsed by superstar Billy Graham. Sponsors <laughs> Unforgiven. <laughs> RC Maximum Polar, he sees dinner. Billy Graham. Unforgiven. Billy, Billy Graham truly is unforgiven. <laughs> Bring me his knuckles. <laughs> and his Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, no, man. <laughs> I could see it coming as you said it. Billy <laughs> Graham, I do not chuckle. <laughs> I do not chuckle, baby. Triple H starts. Why is the Iron Sheik? Wait, Iron Billy Graham. Bring me the <laughs> accent of the Iron Sheik. Oh, I have it already. Oh, that, yo, you got it to me yesterday. Ah. I work quickly. Bring me the memory of <laughs> The Rock. <laughs> Triple H starts with Benoit. But stuff happens. And somehow Kurt and Triple H end up doing the gay pin to the joy of the crowd. Oh, it's funny. It was the year of our Lord, 2000. Jesus. It's funny because it's a gay pin. The gay pin. The Carl Lewis pin, well. they tried to call it. <laughs> well, it's Carl Lewis. Not gay, not gay, not gay. <laughs> and he's going to sue. Tonight. Please don't sue. Please don't, don't sue. sue. Please don't, don't sue. sue. Don't sue. <laughs> Bring me the lawsuit of the child. No, stop it. You Graham. run these jokes in the ground, don't you, Billy Graham? Graham, you monster. You monstrosity. You literal monstrosity made up of other wrestlers' bits. Graham, you abomination. It. You abomination. I have the nation of abomination. <laughs> Undertaker continues to work over Benoit. Well, weirdly enough, dressed as Brian Lee. I guess it's appropriate after all these years for Undertaker to be the fake Brian Lee. <laughs> it makes sense. It's it's the circle yeah. of life, isn't it? Yes. What a circle it is. Kane tags in while Undertaker is Andre'd in the ropes. 
and Undertaker gets his crap DDT and tags in The Rock. The Rock sadly beats uh, up Kane until Benoit takes his head off and gives it to Billy Graham. No, don't have that. And then The Rock turns into his final form, which is, of course, The Rock and beats up everyone. Triple H pedigrees Angle. Kane chokes on Triple H. Undertaker gets rid of Kane. So Kane and Benoit double team The Rock all with the back. Undertaker makes it fair for The Rock and beats down Kane and Benoit until the referees show up. What? Why the referee showed up? Then Undertaker gets on his bike and attempts to run over The Rock in his quest to end Kane and Benoit. Uh, nice agility there in this quick time event from The Rock, pressing X at the right time. The Rock stumbles after him, leaving Angle and Triple H in the ring, while Stephanie shows up on the apron. So, of course, Triple H whips Angle into Steph, and then Angle gets the win via schoolboy roll-up. Triple H then hilariously mocks Am. <laughs> Mocks Angle by crying into his face. So Kurt slams him. He kind of deserved it. Angle then smashes his ribs with a sledgehammer, then kisses Steph passionately. Steph is shocked. It was the year 2000. <laughs> Angle then gets the mic and says, Hey, Hunter, when you catch your wind, ask your wife if I kiss like a pansy. Who's crying now? Wah! That is the end of that match. So top marks to Angle for using a sledgehammer properly. Yeah. He did, didn't he? He properly swung it. He did that in the Olympics. <laughs> That's how he qualified. <laughs> and and it's what's nice is we had that story when they, they had the Angle kiss going into SummerSlam where Angle was like a bit uncertain about how to go about kissing and how Vince laughed and how Steph says mm. like a wet fish. I feel like he really gave it socks this time. Like, he really wanted to go for it. And and he did. He absolutely did. I, I can imagine it was a, a much more approved of kiss than the one that he gave just before SummerSlam. Yes. This was not a Carl Lewis kiss by any means. No. And, I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm not a fan of them trying to make Triple H a good guy. He's not. I'm not getting the good guy vibe from him at all. But they're kind of like, he's a good guy now. No, he's not. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of people around this time, or building up to it, we're a week away from it, a lot of people around this time have expressed their upsetness at the Angle-Steph storyline ending with Triple H and Steph getting back together while it was obvious to everybody that mm. Steph and Kurt were going to get together. Looking back at this every week, I'm like, you're kidding, right? Did we really think this at the time? Apparently, this was the story they were trying to tell us. Apparently, according to everybody else, that must have been wishful thinking. <laughs> because they're both dicks, but Triple H is such a bad baby face that I think it was hard for people to comprehend, and I don't blame them for that. But there's no way in hell Steph and Kurt are getting together. <laughs> there's, there's none. There's teasers, maybe, but I think for people who watch us all weekly, like we've done, and go, oh, it's obvious they're setting up this, I'm like, I do the, the, the John Cena meme. Are you sure about that? <laughs> so, looking back on this episode of SmackDown, what did you remember from it? Al Snow, Spanish. <laughs> I love this stupid, stupid gimmick. I remember them calling S.A. Rios into the ring, and I remember feeling like this was a big moment for S.A. Rios. <laughs> When he was in the ring, you look at the ring and there's The Rock, Mick Foley, Triple H, Kurt Angle, 
S.A. Rios. It felt like this is... In my stupid brain, I was like, maybe they'll start pushing S.A. Rios. Maybe this is the beginning of something big for S.A. Rios. It wasn't. <laughs> but we all thought it. You know, because it was the year 2000 and because S.A. wasn't getting much of a push, he could have gotten away with... You know, it wasn't my car because my car looks like this. And obviously, it's just a blinged out <laughs> thing that plays La Caracha when you press the horn. and goes, oh, of course, that's your car, Mr. Mexican person. <laughs> There's a big mask over the front of the hood, like a lucha car. Sounds just the most right. offensive thing possible. There's piñatas in the back and stuff. <laughs> Bags of oranges. What, um, so, what, did yes. for- what did you forget from this show? <laughs> what did I forget? I forgot the angle Steph kiss and say, oh, you think I'm a bit of a you-know-what, eh? All right, because I didn't look at Kurt Angle and think he was that because he'd already kissed Steph and hugged her and done everything else. So so, you, so all that stuff was something you'd forgotten, that whole... Yeah. Oh, you know, Kurt Angle's a bit of a... <laughs> it's just time for Steph to go, no, you remember a few weeks... SummerSlam. You know, the best pay-per-view of the year, maybe. You know, you, you, you did this. You kissed me. Doesn't make any sense. So Rachel just sat there in the chat couch go, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right, I guess. You should learn to be a better person, Triple H. I forgot, and it's only a tiny thing, I forgot that The Rock tried to run over... The Undertaker tried to run over The Rock in this episode. In that bit at the end, which we talked about, with The Undertaker charging up the ramp and, and coming so close... Mm. to running the rock down like you know they had that conversation backstage where undertaker went all right i'm gonna come at you on my bike you have to move like i'm not gonna slow down you just have to move because i'm not gonna slow down (laughs) and the rock left it late as he possibly could just a whoop out of the way it was a good little good little bit that i enjoyed that immensely and and i'd forgotten all about it until i watched it again and just as you see rock and kane and benoit fighting on top of the ramp and you and undertaker comes to his rescue then undertaker goes back and gets on his bike and you go oh yeah he tries to run him over yes fun little bit and what if he what if he had run him over then all the fingers were pointed at undertaker <laughs> yeah little subtle thing there for the old Next week, it is a watch-along spectacular. Matthew, Greg, and myself are going to be watching WWF Unforgiven 2000 in its entirety through Bell to Bell. And you can watch along with us by simply downloading the podcast wherever you get the podcast normally from. It'll be a lovely time. He is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Not many Kane jokes this week. I've just made it to the very end of the episode. <laughs> no, we finished Kane. What? <laughs> I've got a funny joke. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.